nations around us. When God created us, he breathed life into us. He's given us life. The Bible says that the power of life is in the tongue. And we can speak it. We can declare it. Paul told the Romans, believe in your heart, but confess with your mouth. Open up your mouth. Make a declaration this morning. It's so important as we worship that we open our mouth and, and let the praises of God come out of our out of our soul, out of our spirit. And that's where the breaking, that's where the walls come down. When you open your mouth and declare truth. And this morning we want to do that. We want to we want to open our mouths and praise to our Lord. And I want to offer that prayer, but in this prayer I also want to remember this is Memorial Day weekend. It's so important that we open our mouth and give gratitude to soldiers. Of course, Memorial Day is about recognizing those who are not here. It's important that we open our mouth and, and talk about them, to not forget their legacy of, of soldiers who have died on the battlefield. We can't forget. That's why we open our mouth this morning. So as we pray, as I lift up a prayer this morning, would you just say their name in prayer. I'll pause in my prayer. And when I pause, would you just say a name of somebody that you know served our country and is no longer with us today. Lord, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you for the Spirit of God that is in us. We thank you for the Word that we've read this week that's in us. And Lord, we're going to open up our mouths and we're going to declare truth. We're going to declare our the promises of God. We're going to declare our faith, our faith that's in you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we can worship you, that we can open our mouths and change the atmosphere of a room. We can change the atmosphere of those around us by opening up our mouths. God, we thank you, God, for men and women who have given their life for our country, for freedom around the world. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that they opened up their mouth. They took an oath. They took an oath that said, I'll protect. I'll protect this country. I'll protect our freedoms. I'll protect the Constitution. I thank you, God, for men and women who've given their life. Lord, I just want to take a moment and remember those who are not with us today. I remember Harold Green. Thank you for these men and women. We pray, oh God, that today you'll continue to speak to our hearts. 
you feel comfortable enough before you're seated, give somebody a hug, a day like today, a Memorial Weekend, or just say hello, even say hello, good morning to them. for taking the time to greet one another. We're grateful for this weekend that we can celebrate with families. We're grateful for those moments, good food, good times. But as always, it's so important to remember why we cannot forget. This morning so touching to hear those names being declared in this room this morning. So this morning, thank you for taking the time to remember to remember that. So there are several things I just want you to know today. If you want to connect online or here in this room, we'd love to connect with anybody looking for a home church. You can hit a, the connect button online here in the room. You can take out a connect card there in the seat pocket in front of you and fill it out. We have giving boxes that you can place them in on your way out. Thank you for being faithful. Giving is so important. If we've learned anything reminder this morning of Memorial Day is those who have given their lives for our protection. And so we're grateful today that we can give and God allows us to participate in giving. If you'd like to give online, you can do that. Hit in the online give button this morning. If you haven't given online already or electronically, you can use an envelope and on your way out, you can put it in the giving boxes. We have a couple of things on your way out today. You'll notice a table. Maybe you saw it on the way in. We have a, a great opportunity as a church to, to be a part of a, a ministry called Kids Outdoor Zone. It's a mentoring program specifically for boys, and it touches my heart that mentoring is so important. You've heard me. If you've been here for the past two years, you've heard me talk about mentoring and the importance that boys lack it today. We lack that relationship of mentoring and we need to have it. And so this is a great opportunity. It's one Saturday a month, the second Saturday of the month. And Jim Morris, one of our elders, is partnering uh, with that ministry. So he'll be out there at the table to answer any questions. And uh, we're going to talk again more about it next week. But if you know of any boys in your life that could benefit from this ministry, please get more information at the table today as you leave. We have a volunteer appreciation picnic next Sunday. Speaking of volunteers, we want to honor them. We need to know. We have some RSVPs already, but I'm sure there's got to be some more out there. We need to order food. So please, uh, there's a sign-up sheet. If you want to sign up, you can shoot me a text, an email right now so we don't forget. Whatever it takes, let us know by today so we can put the food order in this week. We're looking forward to next Sunday. And uh, if you're a part of our Horizons group, you're a part of this picnic. If you've done anything, if you want to know more about volunteering at this church, you can be a part of this picnic. And uh, so just be a part, sign up for it. We look forward to it. And uh, we do have a, one more. We have a graduation Sunday coming up June 12th. I think I've, I know all of the graduates, but just by chance, if I don't know if you're graduating, please let me know. We want to make sure we get everybody on the list for June 12th. I shared with you the beginning of a new series called Transform, believing that God 
in present tense was going to transform our lives. The title of the message this morning again is From Foe to Friend. And I want to go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Romans 1, verse 1 says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Father, I thank you today that our lives can be transformed. I thank you that your power to transform is here today. Your power to set us free. Your power to lift us up. Your power to encourage us when we feel down. Your power, O oh God, to change a bad report into a victory report. Your power, O oh God, to take our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. Your power, O oh God, to see a country that might be living in fear all of a sudden rise up in faith. I thank you for your power this morning that is here today. And may your power fill each life today through your word. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God's power is here today. Our hearts are rising up. God's word is being revealed. God's truth is being proclaimed. We do not live in fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but we have been given a spirit of life and of hope and of peace. We've been given the spirit of God to rise up as, as, as uh, what's his name, the guitarist? I said Jeremy was saying this morning in his, in his prayer and his words of encouragement that David, when he saw Goliath, did not run away as others were doing, but he ran towards Goliath because he had the Spirit of God in him. I believe the Spirit of God is here. I want to look at the life of Paul this morning, a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, such a simple phrase, but it's, there's so much depth to that phrase. You need to go back into Paul's life to really appreciate that phrase. You have to know, first of all, that Paul was a Roman citizen. His father was born a Roman, which then made him a natural-born Roman citizen. Romans in those days had great pride. They looked down on others. They were the elite of the world. They were the top class. There was no other greater citizenship than having Roman citizenship. And Paul had that. So he was filled with a, a pride as a, a Roman citizen. Now his father was of Jewish descent, and Paul was circumcised, so he was, he was a Roman Jew. And being a Jew, he also had a religious pride to him, because not only was he a part of in the natural world as being a Roman citizen, but in the spiritual world, he was a part of the seed of Abraham. He was highly regarded. He was a chosen people. He was chosen by God to receive the Word of God and to proclaim the Word of God. So he also developed a religious pride about him. So nobody was going to change his mind. Nobody was going to change his way of thinking. The Bible also said that he was taught by the philosopher Gamaliel, which meant he had the greatest training in that day and era. Paul was also from Tarsus. Now, Tarsus was a very important place. Tarsus was one of the three most prominent learning centers of the world. You, you had Athens, you had Alexandria, and you had Tarsus. So Paul lived in an area 
where the great men and women of, of their minds, the great, I should say, the great minds of the day were challenging and questioning all sorts of things. There was great debates. There was great information. There, there were many things taking place in Tarsus. It was a port city, and it had a river, so it was a happening place. You had everything going on there. So you had people debating. You had people sharing what they believed and what they thought. And so there's no doubt that Paul began to rise up in faith in his word and what, what he had learned and what he had studied and what he had memorized. You can look at Paul's resume and begin to think, man, he was nowhere close to being a slave of Jesus Christ. So you had Paul's citizenship. You had Paul's religious belief. You had Paul's neighborhood all creating this man inside of him that when even if a man was walking on water, didn't matter if you walked on water, if you were healing on the Sabbath, you were not of God. You had a man that was so entrenched in knowledge and wisdom and, and taught that it didn't matter what you did on this earth, there was no way you were going to change his traditions. There was no way you were going to change his preferences or his mind. You see, this happens so many times in life. Paul had taken the, what he had received and he had allowed he had allowed things in his life to come upon him that, that uh, changed his way of, uh, of looking at God. You see, his religious beliefs, as crazy it was, God had become the backdrop to his traditions. The forefront of Paul's life as he, as he became somebody who lived in these areas, as he developed these things in his life, he became so stubborn in his way of thinking that he no longer was pursuing God. He was no longer seeking after the presence of God. He was so concerned about defending his tradition and defending his faith to other beliefs that God had begun to take the back seat. This morning, I, I have, to, have to remind you, this happens in life all the time. It happens like in vacations. People, you go on vacation to do what? To relax, to take it easy. You go on vacation to enjoy some time away from your busy schedule. You are taking a vacation because you're, you need a break. And yet, in our lives, sometimes, and I've seen it done, Alexander, she loves Disney World. Bottom line, that's what she loves, going on vacation. And Tara and I, we have the privilege of going there from time to time. And when we go there, we are, we've been in the big crowds. And in those crowds, guess what's happening? Maybe you've been there before. People are fighting. People are arguing. They're tired. They're crying. Kids are crying. Parents are upset. Spouses are fighting with each other. Why, why did you go get that coffee? Now we're, now we're 30 minutes late to the being in line. Why didn't you just come now? And, and now you see all the frustrations. And even before they get to the park, They've, they've worked two jobs. They've, they've worked overtime just so they could take vacation. And you know what happens. You begin to lose the sight of what the vacation is all about. Your, your vacation, you're relaxing and you're enjoying, your time of enjoyment has lost its purpose. You're no longer enjoying it. You're no longer relaxed. You're more stressed out. You're more frustrated about this vacation and that happens so many times in life that the purpose uh, of, of what you're looking for becomes something different. You lose the purpose. The side notes of life become the script. 
you begin to take things, the, the, the cart gets before the horse, and, and, and that was what was happening with Paul and his friends. God should have been the focus of their life. God needed to be the center of their day, of their thoughts. But God had become, God become He had become the side man. He had been pushed aside. I need to ask you today, and I need to pause here to ask you this question. Who or what are you pursuing today? Who or what are you pursuing today? I need to ask you that question. And let me go back into the story about Paul. As Paul was looking at his uh, citizenship, as Paul was not pursuing the Lord, he wasn't pursuing his presence. Paul was on a path of, of hating Christ. He was on a path of despising of the Lord. And we see that in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Sorry, we're going back to Acts chapter 9. Paul was not on a path of becoming a slave of Christ. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, and in this case he was called Saul, before he was transformed to Paul, he was called Saul, but I'm just going to refer to him as Paul. But in Acts chapter 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. Verse 2, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Acts chapter 9 gives us a picture of a man determined to sustain his beliefs at all costs. He was not going to allow anyone to change their rich history. He wasn't going to let anyone change their rules or traditions. He wasn't going to adjust them for anybody. It was evident, so evident, that he was more concerned about his religious way of life than he was concerning the presence of God. God was no longer the focus of his life. The presence of God, the Spirit of God, was no longer what he sought after. He was more concerned about winning the debate than he was about winning the love of God. He was more concerned about being right than being right in the presence of God. He was more concerned about his traditions than he was about worshiping our Lord and Savior today. Do you know America is filled with religion? America is filled with churches. We're filled with Bibles. We're filled with information. We're filled with all these things. But we lack the presence of God. We lack the love of God. We lack the application of the Word of God. We lack these things. The thing that is the most important, it's not most important that we have church buildings. It's not most important that we have Bibles and, and, and uh, Bible software programs and books. We have books. Oh, man, we have books. We have all sorts of books. We have audio books. You have books you can listen to. You have books you can read. You have books in the library. We have it all. We don't have the application of it. We don't have the presence of God. We don't have the Spirit of God. And you have to ask yourself this morning, who or what are you pursuing? I have to ask myself that question every day. 
what am I pursuing as a pastor? Am I pursuing just having a church that has a big name that other pastors will talk about? I was with pastors this week, and I was, you know, we were talking about different ministries and different models. Am I looking for the opportunity to say, hey, look at this is what we're doing in our church, and this is how many people we have in our church? Or am I seeking the presence of God? Do I desire His presence more than anything? Who or what are you pursuing today? I know this, and what frustrates me so much is that Paul and his, the religious leader of, those, of the day, they knew more about the Bible than 99.9% of pastors today, obviously myself included. They could just dissect the Word of God. They had the Word of God memorized. They had it down deep in their minds. They, they carried it around their uh, eyebrows. It was there. It was along the tassels of their robes. It was everywhere around them. But it wasn't in them. It wasn't inside of them. It wasn't uh, in their heart. It wasn't in there to bring transformation. It was all around them. They were, they were in the buildings. They were in the Word of God, but the Word of God wasn't in them. And here's the point. The point is not, don't stop studying. The point isn't, don't burn your books. The point is, don't you, not to not use uh, Bible software programs. No, the point is, keep seeking after the Lord. Hunger and thirst after His righteousness. And as you're hungering Him for Him, then yes, you can study. And of course, read books. And, and yes, we promote uh, right now media. Yes, get on there. But my pursuit is the presence of God. My pursuit is His love and mercy. My pursuit is to be in His presence more than anything. I want to know Him and I want to be known by Him. I want to open up my heart to Him and I want Him to come into Him. Because once you seek after the Lord. It's more than just information. It's a relationship. It's more than just reading about the Lord, but it's knowing the Lord. It's more about understanding that I need to be a better person, but it becomes that I have the power to be a better person because I'm coming into the presence of God and I stand before Him, spiritually naked before Him, and He can begin to work on me. He can begin to reveal what's inside of me. When I am humbled in His presence and I'm seeking after the Lord and I want His presence, His presence will come. His presence will begin to reveal my problems and my shortcomings, what I need to work on. Then I can go and then I can read books. Then I can go and I can, I can be educated. Then I can go and I can get on online and, and, and learn things. Then I can prepare my sermons. Then I can prepare ministry. Then I can come here and preach before you. But it can't start until I'm in the presence of God. That I'm seeking after Him. That I hunger and thirst for Him. We have the best songs in the world today. You heard a wonderful band today. They're all over the world today. They're all over America today. You can go into most churches today, you'll hear beautiful music. It's been rehearsed. That's played by people. So what's the problem? I think the problem is, speaking of, and there's, there's lots of areas, I'll just focus one moment really on music here. I think the problem is, is that we're too concerned about feeling good during worship than we are about declaring how good God is. And what, here's the application to that. Sometimes we get too concerned about my song and 
this is the song that makes me feel good, and I, that's what I want. This is the volume that I can sing at. This is the volume that I can worship at. These are the songs I can, I can feel God to. I want to tell you something. I'll share this quick story with you. I learned this lesson a long time ago in Bible school. In Bible college, Terry and I's first Bible college was a small school. We barely had 50 students there. But we loved God. We sought after Him. But out of all the students there and all the faculty, nobody could play an instrument. But we had one guy who was an Eskimo who was learning how to play the piano. And so he, would be, he was the one that would uh, play during worship. And I remember being at the altar, and his name was Max. And Max would be there. He was, like he was still learning that morning how to play. You know, I'm not a good singer, but I know good music, and this was, wasn't good. He was just, you know, using one finger, kind of hitting certain things at certain times. It was not good. But I want to tell you something. I learned how to worship God. I learned how to focus my attention on the Lord. I learned that it wasn't about the music. It was about Jesus. I learned that it wasn't about how good I felt, but it was all about declaring how good God is. I was wanting to worship God. The point was not that you can't learn how to play music. No, that's not the point. We want to learn that, and we want to grow in that. But the point is, I want to worship God first and foremost. If there's anything I want today, I want to worship the Lord. That's more than, that's number priority number one for me today, is being in the presence of God. And sometimes Jesus just needs to challenge us. He just needs to challenge our way of thinking. He needs to challenge the, our preferences. He needs to challenge our opinions sometimes. You know what Jesus did? I, I, I had a professor that he used to talk about Jesus making mud. And what he meant by that, Jesus making mud, is that Jesus was challenging the religious way of thinking. They didn't think you could make mud on the Sabbath. But Jesus wanted them to know, I want you to know something. You've got it all wrong. You, you've got the cart before the horse. You're not living the right way. You've got priorities, but they're all messed up. You don't have things in the right order. And so Jesus made mud. He made mud just to irritate them, to just begin to question them, to begin to challenge them. I've got to challenge you today. So if you've ever, if you've ever been irritated on a Sunday, just think about that. Okay, well, do I have my priorities right? Am I really here worshiping God? Am I really here seeking after God? Am I really here doing the Lord's work? Jesus just wants to challenge us in our life today. Paul was living a life that was not seeking after God. He was educated. He knew it all. But he wasn't seeking the Lord. In ministry, I talk about this sometimes. I talk about not dying on every hill. Another way of saying is having pet peeves. Let me ask you this question today. What really drives you crazy today? What are your pet peeves? What are, what are the hills that you are willing to die on? What are those hills? What are, what, what are those things in life that frustrate you to the point where you can't think about anything else but that thing changing? What are those things in your life? I want to declare to you that there's only one hill worth dying on, and that hill is the hill of Calvary. I'm only willing to die for Jesus. 
The only pet peeve I have is found in Psalm 51, where David declared, you cannot take away the presence of God from me. You can take my gas-powered car. You can take, you can take, uh, you can raise my taxes. You can take, uh, you know, you can take anything from me. You can take my favorite team sports logo, but you can't take the presence of God from me. That's the one thing I'm holding on to today. I want to challenge you today. Paul and his friends, they were, they were set on their traditions. They were set on their pet peeves. They were set on their ways. They weren't seeking after the Lord. A part of, a part of Paul's story, though, let me share. I want to go back to Acts chapter 7. There was a man who was beginning to challenge Paul. In Acts chapter 7, there was a man named Stephen. Stephen was one of the first deacons of the early church. His life had been changed and transformed by the Lord. He was on a path of seeking after the Lord. And he began to recognize that his religious leaders, had they didn't have their priorities right. He had been in a church service and he had recognized, no, 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 we're, we're not going about this the right way. The Lord isn't the focus of what we are doing here today. There's, there's something else at work and we need we need to get this fixed. We need to get it corrected. And so in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is declaring the truth of the Lord to them. And he's declaring to them what they needed to hear. But they didn't want to hear it today. They didn't want to hear it that day. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, it says this, that the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in a place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. This is the life I want. This is the life that I'm seeking. I want to see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. I want to see Him no matter what's happening in my life. I want to see Him no matter what's going on around me. I want to see Him no matter what people are telling me. I want to see Jesus high and lifted up. And Stephen had that life. Life was literally hitting him. He was serving the Lord. He was following after Christ. He had his priorities right. He had God first in his life. It wasn't about his traditions. It wasn't about his preferences. It was all about the Lord for Stephen. And yet Stephen found that life was hitting him, was hurting him. He was, gonna, he was being attacked. He was being attacked. He was being, uh, he, he was the center of people's disdain. And as they looked at him, they, they were mad at him. And they began to, they could see, he could see it all over their faces. And I love that verse that says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, who was filled with the presence of God. Stephen, who was filled with the Spirit of God. He wasn't just reading about God, but he was filled with the Word of God. He didn't just talk about God, but he had God inside of him. He didn't just go to church. He was the church. He wasn't just singing about God. He was living the presence of God in his life. 
And when life began to hit him, he was still filled with the Spirit, and he began to see Jesus. He began to see him high and lifted up in his power and in his glory. Oh, today, that's what I want. That's what I want in my life today. And I want to share with you, many of you know this uh, piece of information already. We've been getting hit. We've been getting hit in this church. We've been getting attacked here. We've been getting hit by life, and, and all sorts of things have been coming after us. And I know this church has been putting God first. I know you've been seeking after God, but that doesn't mean life isn't going to hit us. This week it was our turn to be hit. And Tara, I'll just share this really quick. Tara received the news this week that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it, we received that news right before we were coming into a church service. But I knew right away, I said, Lord, you are good and we're going to worship you because you are good. And in that service, that's all we could do is we began to worship God. We began to praise Him. We began to lift His name up higher than every other name. That is the life I want. That's the life I want to live. That no matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to love Him. I'm going to serve Him. And sure enough, we began to see Jesus. We began to see Jesus work in our lives. From that night to the next night, we had this prayer meeting here at this church planned. And, and, and uh, Melania invited a prayer warrior of hers to come. And he came with the word of the Lord to speak into Tara's life. And he gave it to us to judge it. And I received it. It was a word of life to her. We began to see Jesus open doors, open our heart. That is the life I want to live. And we were in the doctors all day Friday, but we came out of there just rejoicing over what God is doing in her body because that is the life of a believer, a believer who knows God who is in His presence. I want to be filled with the presence of God. I want to be filled with His presence today. I want God to help us today. I want God to guide and direct us today. So Stephen, even though he was being and accused and ready to be beat up, he still saw the Lord. But that still didn't do anything for him. Verse 57 says, Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned, they stoned him. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Paul, known as Saul at that time, witnessed the gospel in action. Stephen was a new creation in Christ. Stephen had given his life to Jesus and his Savior. Had, it was living inside of him. And the life of Jesus was shining through Stephen's life. That's what I want. That's my prayer. Whatever, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever I have to go through, Lord, whatever I have to do, Lord, wherever I'm going to go, Lord, wherever I'm going to be at, Lord, whatever's going to happen, let me shine for you. Let me live for you. Let me declare your praises. Let me live for you, God, in this day and age. Oh, I, I loved it. A couple of weeks ago, we were down here, and I was listening to Michelle preach the same message. I'm going to shine for Jesus. I'm going to shine for my family. I'm going to shine for this church. 
You've heard it. You've seen it in Clark. You've seen it in Jim. You've heard it from Eric and Carly. You're going to keep hearing it from believers in Christ. Whatever it takes, Lord, let me just keep shining for you. Just let me keep living for you. And if these individuals can live for him, how much more can you? How much more can you live for him? How much more should you be saying, Lord, let me live. I've got the strength. I'm still going to work. I don't have to go to the hospital today. So I'm going to this. I'm going to the park today. I'm going on vacation today. God, use me while I'm on vacation. God, I'm going to Great America today. I don't have to go to the doctor's office. I'm going to Great America. God, use me at Great America today. How much more can you shine for Jesus? We're living in that day and age. I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to motivate you. I want to challenge you today. You have bright lights shining before you for a reason. They're bringing change to us. They're bringing encouragement to us. They do it all the time. I think about them. I'm encouraged by them. They they were blessing me before the news I got from t- before the news that we received, and they're blessing me now after the news we received. It's that encouragement, and they're just like Memorial Day. When you think about those who have given their life, how can we how can we fight with one another? How can we argue with one another? They didn't die for us to kill each other to fight with one another. These soldiers died so that we can have the freedom to serve one another and love one another and give to one another to build America, uh, to be a great country. And make no mistake about it, it can only be great when it's built upon the Word of God and those putting that Word into action. We need that. We have bright lights in this room this morning. They're shining brightly. I don't know how much brighter it can get. And here's the point. Paul was blinded. He was blind. He was blind. Today, I hope you're seeing the light today. I hope you're seeing the examples of faith today. I hope you're seeing and receiving the Word of God today. I hope your hearts are challenged today. I hope you're fighting at the bit to get out of here, get to a restaurant to encourage somebody today. I can tell you I was doing that this week. I've always done. I've always opened, God, whoever you want me to go to, whoever you want me to talk to, and, you know, this past week I said, all right, we're just going to, I, I talked to the waitress. I said, hey, uh, you know, is there anything I could pray with you about? And she kind of shared some things in the beginning. I'm just open to whoever God wants to lead me and guide me to. I hope that's your heart today. I hope these bright lights are shining for you today. And if they're not, you have to ask yourself, am I blind? Is there a spiritual blindness in my heart? Is there a spiritual blindness that I am not wanting to serve God? Is there a spiritual blindness inside of me that I can't worship the Lord even when they're not playing my favorite song? Is there a spiritual blindness inside of me that I can't share my faith wherever I'm going? Is there a spiritual blindness I'm hearing about all these families and I still can't pray in the morning? I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to challenge myself. Every word I speak is a word that comes back to me. And you better believe I'm praying. You better believe I'm seeking the Lord. I want Him more than every anything in my life. Stephen was a bright light shining for Jesus in the midst of this trial. And I believe with all of my heart that that day, now we know this from Scripture, Saul still went on to wanting to kill people, kill specifically Christians. He still wanted to imprison them. He still wanted to take them. But something happened. And this I know. Stephen opened the door. Stephen prayed and said, Father, do not hold this sin 
against them. Don't hold this sin against Paul. I believe and I know without a shadow of a doubt, just like my mother who forgave her father. And when my, when my mother did that, when she forgave her father of all the abuse he brought to their family, that forgiveness opened the door. And that door was open to me to, to pray the sinner's prayer with my grandfather just a few weeks before he died. Forgiveness opens the door. That's all we can do. All we can do is open the door. All I was trying to do was ask that lady if there's anything I can pray for. I wasn't going to change her. I can't heal anybody. I can't transform anybody, but I know who can. I know who can change somebody. I know who can heal somebody. I know who can somebody who can help them. All I could do is just open the door, and that's all I want to do is I want to open the door through service. All I want to do is open the door with my words. I believe Stephen opened the door for Paul, Saul at this time. So then what happens in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, it says, As Saul was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Immediate transformation. Immediate transformation. Stephen opened the door for Paul. He opened that door. And when Jesus came, Jesus transformed him immediately. I want us to open up doors. I want us to open up doors. Let me just share really quickly just three doors I'm going to be opening up. I've, we opened up last Wednesday. We're going to keep opening them up. It's a, it's a simple uh, Wednesday activity, the second and fourth Wednesday. It's our Bible quiz time. Uh, we had a great time, of course, this past Wednesday. We, we had a prayer meeting, and then we, we did conclude with our, the beginnings of our Bible quiz. Out there, um, I have out there the uh, Scripture verses we're going to be memorizing. If you've never memorized Scripture verses, please memorize them. And I've got Scripture verses that we're going to memorize and have fun with. We're going to be studying uh, the first three chapters of Romans. And we're going to come. Here's my point uh, of this night. We're including our children and our teenagers. Do our children, teenagers, need us? Need us? Do they need to know who to call upon in time of trouble? Our schools, our schools are, are at least training them on how to evacuate a school during disaster, during an active shooter. What about the church? What about you? You're the church. I'm the church. What are we teaching our kids? Our responsibility is to teach them what to do when trauma strikes. We need to teach them that there's a name that they can call upon, the name that's above all names. We need to teach them when life hits you that you call out to Jesus. We need to teach them when you feel that feeling of fear, you begin to call Jesus and ask for his help. You need to pray. You need to call upon Jesus. We need to teach our kids. We need to memorize scriptures with them so when they're in those moments, when they're under the desk, when they're living in fear, when, they, when they're being bullied, when they're being picked on, they have a scripture verse that says, oh no, ah, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm, a, I'm chosen by God. I'm loved by God. I, am, I have a scripture verse to help me today. We need to help our children. We need to help our teenagers. I have a burden for them. 
come on the second and fourth Wednesday. Tonight I'm having the young adults at my house at 6 o'clock. You know, if any young adults, if you feel young adult, come to my house at 6. And we're going to talk about the book of Romans while we eat pizza. I love pizza. And then I've told Pastor Mark I've had a burden uh, to, to share with this book of Romans with our, with our teenagers. I'm going to be coming to the youth service, which is at 6.30 on Wednesdays, continuing through the summer. I feel a burden. I want to open as many doors as possible. I feel everything's winding down. I, I, you, you can see it. It's all there. The, the news is the book of Revelation. It's all there. You, it's, it's there before us. I feel like we're, we're living in the last days. And you know what? I'm still going to have fun. I'm still looking forward to next Sunday playing softball with some of you at our picnic. I'm still going to have fun, but I'm still going to take opportunities to keep opening doors for Jesus. I want to open these doors to the Word of God and the people's lives. I want to shine bright for Jesus. I want to be a light so people can see that there is hope, that there is a way out of this, that there is a lifesaver and His name is Jesus. I want to shine bright in these last days. I want to take every opportunity that I have to live for Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come back up this morning as we declare and bring this message to a close that God will just solidify this message in your heart that you will shine bright for the Lord, that you will shine bright for Him, that you will allow God to use you in these last days. Just like God used Stephen to change Paul. Do we need that? Yes. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe people can be on their way to take somebody's life and God stop them? I believe that. But we've got to open the doors. We've got to open the doors. I don't know what may have happened to that waitress. I just wanted to open that door for her. And God can do the rest. You never know what kind word will do for somebody. You'll never know what just praying for somebody will do. They may look at you funny, like, what? All right, fine, go ahead and pray for me. And then they can walk away and you can feel like, oh, nothing happened. You never know. Stephen had no idea that day he was being stoned to death. But his forgiveness opened the door for Paul to be transformed by Jesus Christ. I want to shine bright for Jesus today. Would you stand this morning? Father, would you continue to speak to our hearts and our lives? In these last days, God, we need, we need your transforming power. We need murderers stopped in their tracks. We need drug dealers stopped in their tracks. We need bullies stopped in their tracks. We need relationship breakers. We need the act of adultery stopped immediately. Somebody might be headed to a date with somebody that's not their wife, but we're going to say, can I pray for you? And we're going to stop adultery. We're going to stop bullying. We're going to stop all of these things because we're ready to shine like a light. I don't know. I'm just going to keep asking people, can I pray for you? I'm just going to keep opening the doors, believing that the enemy will be shut out and the love of God will be welcomed in. Oh, Lord.